this is Stena. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Identity in Me, or In Me for short. Today I'm joined by Ed Walker, who is a devout Christian, husband, and father. He's a stand-up man who is also an educator and entrepreneur. He's with me today to talk about his spiritual journey and the way it intersects with different aspects of his life. Man, I haven't seen you since the roller skating rink, right? The birthday party? Was that the last time? I don't I know. Think but I, th- so. I thought we I thought maybe we ran into each other in the park one day with the kids, with the family. But maybe, I but I moved from Worcester like four years ago, so it it, it would still be a minute ago. Right, either way. Because I, I remember seeing you in the park, bowling alley. Every couple of years we run into each other somewhere, so it's good to be back with be back with you, brother. Likewise. And I'm trying to think of uh, where we met. We met when we were both admissions representatives. I think at the time you were at Wheaton College, right? Was yeah, So I, I, I was working admissions at Clark in 04, from 04 to 06. Would you have been at Wheaton at the time? Yep, I think I went to Wheaton um, 2005 to 2007. So it must have been the time. Okay, right around there. And did you go to Wheaton? Nah. Oh, okay. All right. No, I did not, brother. I went. I went to uh, for undergrad. I went to Bates College. Okay. Wow. You were up in Maine for college, huh? Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. I looked at Wheaton once upon a time for school, and um, they accepted me. And on a Friday night, I went there, walking around to get a sense of what the campus life was like. And I heard nothing but crickets. There wasn't much going on. And so, yeah, I said, you know what? Let me just mess with Clark University. It's in the city. I'm, I'm familiar with that. And, mm-hmm. you know, here we are many years later. Absolutely. But anyway, we're still connected many years later. You're no longer in admissions, though, right? Absolutely. I left admissions in 2007. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And what are you doing these days? I wear many hats, brother. Um, I've been an educator for the past 18 years. Um, uh, about six years ago, I decided to you know, take my stab at traditional high school guidance counseling. Uh, But in the interim, you know, I've started a couple of businesses. Um, I'm also a consultant for anti-racist practices in school districts, uh, in which I go into primarily predominantly white districts. And I talk to their staff and sometimes their students about what it means to be an anti-racist community person, so on and so forth. so yeah, so I'm always in edu- I've always been in education. Um, I'm really heavy with the consulting right now, but I'm also really focused on, uh, you know, the businesses that I run. The first being Independent Consultants of Education, which I'm the founder and president, and I'm also the founder and owner of R3 Raymond, which is an online clothing store. And so, I'm busy, brother. But it's all it's all interconnected. Okay, and so you mentioned your anti-racist work. Um, and so you're doing work around identity. And so this won't be a curveball for you. Um, what, if somebody were to ask you what are the three most salient aspects of your identity, what would you say? Without even thinking, I would say faith, husbandhood, and then fatherhood in that order. I'll say that again, faith, husbandhood, and then fatherhood in that order. Um, I know a lot of folks might anticipate, you know, Black men saying Black being one of the most salient um, aspects of identity, and it is, but I don't have to announce that. When I walk into the room, you can see I'm a black man. Uh, but when I walk into the room, you may not know that I'm a man of God. You may not know that I'm a faithful husband. You may not know that I'm a dedicated father. And so 
that requires the most work out of me. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm constantly thinking about those aspects of my identity. Okay. Now, did you grow up in the faith? I did not, brother. I did not grow up in the faith. I have always been a spiritual young person. Um, and that's just another way of saying I knew that God has always been with me. I just did not have a relationship with him. I did not understand what it what it meant to have a relationship with him. And so I navigated the world for many years without elevating my relationship with him. And now when you say faith, to be clear, you're talking about Christianity. Uh, by denominational identity, I, I am a Christian. Uh, okay. But when I talk about faith, I'm talking about what it means to be a man of God. Uh, because you can be a Christian and be far from a man of God, right? So I make it a point to be intentional with my language and, and let folks know that I am a man of God. And if anyone ever wants to talk about denominational uh, affiliation, I am a Christian. Okay. And you just say Christian, not Pentecostal, Baptist. Does that ever come up? Is that important at all? It does come up. And it is important for a lot of people. Um, If I'm being honest with you, it is not as important to me. I got my start in a Pentecostal church, Pentecostal Assemblies of the World. Um, And that has never been a part of my spiritual growth that, that sort of was that top of mind for me, right? It was sort of just a part of the, the, the culture or the community. Um, and so I'm, it's not like I'm walking around saying, yay, I'm a Pentecostal. I just say I'm a man of God. And if the conversation warrants it, I'll say I'm a Christian. And if they need to dig a little deeper, then I'll say, yes, I grew up in the Pentecostal uh, faith. However, that's not something that I debate with people. What, what's the reasoning there? It's, that's a good question, brother. Um, as a man of God, I want to connect with other people of God. Um, far too often, folks use denominations for division, mm-hmm. right? And, and like most people in the world, they want to be affiliated with something or someone. And so it makes sense for folks to say, okay, I'm Pentecostal or I'm Methodist or I'm Baptist or whatever the case is. And that's because they're all trying to elevate their own way of thinking about how they interpret the word of God. Yeah. I just want to be a man of God. Um, I want to fellowship with other people who are men and women and children of God. And and so that's it for me. That's the last thing I'll bring up in a conversation. In fact, in most cases, when you're having conversations with people about, you know, their faith and and their understanding of the word of God, their denomination will come up in the way they interpret the word of God. Right. And so I don't have to bring it up because ultimately it comes up as long as we're saying what I know God wants us to say and what Jesus wants us to say and or do. It's all good. I don't care if you tag a certain nomination to it now if you start misinterpreting the word of god or doing something crooked and then trying to use religion to cover it then i have a problem with that sure now you said in your younger years um you felt the presence of of christ in your life Um, you weren't outward with your christian identity at what point in your life um did you take on the christian faith as part of your identity and was there a particular occurrence in your life that precipitated that? Man, I was a right 32-year-old when I gave my life to Christ. Um, what does that mean? When I, giving my life to Christ? Yeah. That's when my, my worldview changed. That's when my behaviors changed. That's when my, uh, my way of thinking changed. I became a new creature, as we would say, in the house of God, right? Um, 
and, and essentially all that really means is you walk away from all of those bad things that you consciously knew you were doing, right? Yeah. Um, you repent for the sins that you've committed and, and so on and so forth. And so that means I decided at that moment to develop a strong relationship with God. And, and I decided in that moment to navigate this world for the rest of my life as a child of God. And so that means just exuding what that means and what that looks like to other people, witnessing and testifying to other people. Um, as a child, I said I always knew that God was around. The difference between now and then is I can tell you without thinking that it was Jesus in my life. Yeah. Right back then, I couldn't tell you that because I didn't know any better. But I just knew that I spent a lot of my time talking to a higher power. Yeah. And I used the title God when I spoke to that that higher power. And so I knew that for as long as I was, I mean, ever since I was a little boy, man. Um, but it wasn't until I was 30 plus that I actually gave my life to Christ, repented for my sins, went down in the water to be reborn, yeah. and came up redeemed by the blood. Did you grow up in a Christian family? Nah. Um, I watched my mom dabble around a little bit. At one week, she thought she was a Baptist. The next week, she was at a Methodist church. And uh, two months later, she was a Jehovah Witness. But there was never any consistency. Um, I was fortunate to live across the field from an older lady named Miss Cross. You couldn't say good morning to Miss Cross without her bringing up God. So all of our conversations, in some way, shape, or form, found its way back to talking about God. And then she pulled me in as a young boy into these what we called Bible studies. Yeah. So that sort of started the foundation for me. That's so interesting that Ms. Cross, I mean, right. the irony there. <laughs> right. Cross, right. Right across the street from you. Amen, brother. And, and it's a beautiful thing because you made that connection just now. I never made that connection. So it's a I, phenomenal thing, man, but it's, it's right. Okay. So this neighbor across the street um, introduced you to the faith in a more, in a more um, cogent manner. Um, and so through your teen years, though, you didn't necessarily adopt it. And then you said in your early 30s, um, were baptized into the faith. Were there episodes in your life that led to that? So you didn't have the parents breathing on you like, you need to go to church. Um, you know, you're going to go to hell. I mean, some, some folks grow up in the church. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't sound like that was the case for you. So how did you eventually find your way into the water? Sure. It was by the grace of God. Um, I, I met a man named Joseph White. Um, and at the time, Joseph White was my landlord. He was not a pastor at the time, but God was working on him leading towards his pastorship. But um, long story short, man, I moved into this apartment. The landlord was Joseph White. He was a man of God. and he just he came after me and after me and after me saying, come to the church, come to the church, come to the church. He was a member of another church where he was an elder. I went to the church a couple of times and I just told him straight up, man, I don't like this church. I don't feel good here. Um, so I stopped going to that church. And for whatever reason, God called him to start his own church. And he owned the building that I resided in. And so he built a church on the mm -hmm. second level. Mm. And so I couldn't avoid God anymore. He put the yeah. church right under my feet, right? Yeah. So I could not walk out of my front door without passing the church. Yeah. And so I knew that that was a sign for me. Uh, and I'm not going to lie, you, you, to God be the glory, but I do give a lot of credit to Pastor Joseph White because for eight years or so, I mean, he was pretty, 
pretty persistent and, and he came after me. Um, and he never gave up. And ultimately I became a member of his church where I ultimately became a minister in that church. Let me not say his church, let me say that church. Okay, and where is this church? Uh, it's in Mattapan. Okay. It used to be on Blue Hill Ave, but now it's right behind Blue Hill Ave on Cummins Ave. I'm sorry, Cummins Highway. Uh, it's called the Glorious Church of Jesus Christ. And I know exactly where that's located. Um, I grew up in that area. Um, so you're a reverend now, so I should be calling you Reverend Walker? Nah, brother, you can call me Ed. <laughs> okay. Uh, so officially I'm a minister, I'm a licensed minister, but I will prefer you call me brother, okay. uh, brother Ed, right? Cause you, you knew me before yep. I knew the church and yep. that doesn't change anything, brother, um, right? If you, if you go and get your PhD, I don't know if I'm just gonna stop calling you doctor unless you Oh yeah, oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, brother. <laughs> if I get a PhD, everybody's calling me doctor. I put hey, it man, in I time. I hear you, I, hear, I, I think the exact same way. Um, but in what I'm saying is, I think if I, if I didn't call you doctor at some point, it, it you would be okay with that because I knew you way sure. before you became the doctor, right? And so if you met me as minister, yeah. that's yeah. different, right? You, you, you remain consistent and show that respect, but brothers- I'm gonna try not to be pretentious at the point that I get my PhD. I haven't even started a PhD program. I'm still <laughs> powering my way through the master's degree. I put that off for a long time and just recently decided you know, I, I can't put this off any longer. So I'm just about done with it. And I'm like, man, I might be the first person that asked people to call him master, master Camillus. <laughs> yeah, you crazy. <laughs> you put in all yeah, that you, time. Um, you imagine some black, some black man walking around talking about call me master. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> the irony of that. Okay. So, all right. So early thirties, you became baptized. You're now a minister. And at the beginning of the episode, you said that three most salient aspects of your identity are your faith, um, your uh, role as a husband and as a father. Right. What did you have to shed along the way? I mean, I'm thinking at 25, if I asked you this question, you wouldn't have named those three things. So right. at, let me ask you, at 25 years old, what would your answer have been to that question, the three most salient aspects of your identity? It probably would have been the more surface level superficial things and i shouldn't say superficial but i probably would have been the first thing i would have said was a black man probably um and then the second thing i would have said is a father uh, and there probably would not have been a third thing mm. right because that's what i devoted my life to at that age right around that age right my entire life revolved around taking care of my family and that's all i really you know i probably would have mentioned something about my professional identity but i'm not certain I'm not certain. Um, what about your, your your sex? Would that have been a salient part of your identity? Nah. You you. When I walk in the room, I'm you know I'm a man, right? And I'm one of those brothers. I'm I'm a, I'm a firm man. I'm a strong man. I'm a confident man. But I don't. I've never had to talk about that. I've never had to sort of be flamboyant around it and, and sort of puff myself up in that way. People who know me just knew that I was a genuine, authentic dude. Um, I was a cool, calm, and collected dude, but I didn't, I didn't play around. And, and, and most folks who know me, they know that. And so I never had to really uh, sort of project that aspect of my identity. Do you remember the point in your life where you said to yourself, my race is come secondary or fourth or fifth in terms of how I identify? Yeah, so let me be clear. Race is not, it hasn't budged. Race is always at the top of the paradigm for me. It's always, it's, I'm a black man, 
unapologetically. And everyone who knows me knows that from the bishop down to the custodian down to whomever. I am a black man and I project that day in and day out. The reason you don't hear me talking about it is because everyone who sees me knows that. I don't have to talk about it. I can't hide it. I can't shift it. Um, so that is that is a, a, a real part of my identity. So when you ask about identities, that is a natural intrinsic aspect of my identity. When I hear the question you ask, I think you're really asking more about behaviors because I didn't shed any aspect of my identity. I'm still the six two black man from Boston who was raised in Georgia and came back to Boston. My name hasn't changed. So the aspects of identity remain consistent. But once I gave my life to God, once I gave my life to Christ, I had to shift some of my behaviors. That's what it was. And many of my behaviors had to change, right? When I was 25, let me let me make sure I get the math right because I don't want my wife to hear this and think. <laughs> when I was 25, brother, I was, you know, I was a single man. Yeah. You know, and and and, and by the grace of God, I'm a young, jazzy, handsome man at 25, right? I was in my prime. So those beha- my behaviors and my thinking reflected that, right? Now I'm a grown man who's a husband and a father of four children, you know, I can walk by the most beautiful woman. My eyes might look, but my thoughts will never go towards that, right? Because I'm a husband. And that's why, you know, husbandhood is at the top of the list for me. Understood. So you also mentioned at the beginning of the episode that um, you've been an entrepreneur for uh, a number of years, if I'm not mistaken, um, over 10 years. And so I would imagine that's also part of your identity, yes? Oh, yeah. Okay, talk uh, talk to me a little bit about some of your um, entrepreneurial endeavors and how being uh, a man of faith, a father and a husband has intersected with that aspect of your identity. Uh, Beautiful question, man. I appreciate it. And so I have had the entrepreneurial spirit ever since I was a young boy. I'm talking like, I'm talking like back in my devilish days, I would go to the store and and just steal mad candy and go to school and sell a a 50 cent candy bar for $1.25, right? That was in my spirit ever since I was a little boy. I would go and find old parts of a bike, clean it up, put it together, boom, go and sell it for some change. So that was always a part of me. Um, And and it just crossed over when I became a young adult and and I started to learn a little bit of, a little bit of, business savvy. Um, I put myself in the room and I listened to the folks who were talking business. And so my first real endeavor um, was independent consultants of education. And I started that back in 2008, officially 2008, it became an official business, but I was running it around 2006, seven. Yeah. Um, you know, it took me years and years and years to grow that, but ultimately I, I ended up with about uh, 10 to 12 associates who were working with me, right? It took me some time to develop that, but that's how it started. And then I, you know, I was doing music for years, man, for, for over two decades. What kind of music? I was a hip hop artist. But let me not say I was, I am a hip hop artist. So that goes back to your uh, initial question about which aspects of identity did you have to shed? Yeah. And so I never stopped being a hip hop artist, but okay. I changed my lyrics. Got you. Okay. You got something for me right now? Like, just like 30 second bar. You got something right now? 30 second bar. Yeah. All right. Let me think about this. Let me think. Do you need a beat? Nah. Oh, okay. All right. right. We got, we got, we got plenty of music 
uh, that you can listen to on SoundCloud. And a friend of mine, a really close friend of mine, uh, Sean Caliber, we just dropped an album about two months ago. Yeah. Um, and it's doing well, but it, it is a different type of album. Like that's not the type of album I would do independently. Yeah. But he and I spent some time and, and, and some effort in putting that together over a stretch of time. And so we ultimately released it. You can hear my lyrics in it. You can tell that I'm still a man of God in that. Um, but I may be on a couple of songs. I may be surrounded by some features who couldn't care less. Right. OK. Um, I, you still haven't gotten off the hook, though, like a, th- a 30 what? second bar. A 30 second bar. All right. It could be 15 even. It could be 15 I'm, even. Whatever you're comfortable with. All right, so I'm I'm gonna give you something slow so you can hear you can hear the lyrics and you can get the concept of it. All right. Uh, I'm trying not to. I'm thinking because I don't want to give you the stuff that I'm about to release. Do me a favor. But hold up let, now. That's let, a good. Let, that's let, a good let, teaser, let me, right? No, no, so no, no, if my no. audience hears it, then they'll go listen to the track. They're gonna find it. I promise you. I will share you the links, and, and I'm I'm gonna bless you tonight. I'm gonna because if I, I can give you. So let me let me say this for you. Some say I'm 30 plus, and I probably should retire. But I spit the realest raps for the realest cats to admire. Intellectual flows, knowledge that kids desire. I'm a boss, which only confirms that my pay is higher. It started with Tiana, then the Lord gave me to Kaya. Now Christine is in the picture, my ambition's getting higher. I try to walk away, but they say that the game's in dire. Need for a brother like me to come and inspire. Someone from the streets who can speak from trial and fire. If you're claiming you're just like me, little homie, you're a liar. That can go on and on in that way. Ooh. I spit okay. that. I spit spiritual knowledge. That wasn't even real, like, spiritual. Like, you weren't coming at it like, Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. I got right. paper. You know, I mean, right. You, right. that that was dope, man. Was that was that a freestyle or is that what's on the track? That's not, no, that's not, that's not something I put on the track. That's old material that I just never released. Okay, all right. So it, whenever, whenever folks try to pull, put me on the spot, I might say something like that. But I don't, that's not, that's not anything I put on a, a track. Understood. Someday you should. Um, but going back to what I asked about your entrepreneurial endeavors and how it intersects with your identity. So you were talking about um, being a hip hop artist once upon a time in your life. And continue, please. I interrupted you. No, I, I'm still a hip hop artist. I just don't rap the way I used to rap. Yeah. Uh, back then when I was young and, and, and in the streets and really experiencing the world very differently. My lyrics reflected that. I spoke about the pain I was going through. I spoke about the hustling I did. I spoke about, you know, the the infantile interests like women and in, in, in partying and things like that. But when I was a child, I, I speak like a child. But when I became a man, I started acting like a man. And now that I'm a man of God, I can still spit, but my lyrics will reflect Jesus. And I'm unafraid to say the name Jesus. A lot of folks will say God, 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 but they never say the name Jesus. And so when I put music together now, I make it a point to say the name Jesus. Okay. And speaking of Jesus, talk to me about the clothing brand that you just dropped recently. Yeah, man. So I I, I opened a clothing line called R3 Raiment. It's just a playoff words. There's three R's. The three R's are repented, reborn, redeemed. Um, anyone who knows the term raiment, that's a real biblical term that really just, it talks about attire, right? And so this is a, an apparel, a clothing line. And so I named it R3 Raiment. And my hope is that uh, folks will appreciate the clothing line. And I, I hope that it will be an encouragement to folks to fellowship, 
with people all around the world, right? The tagline is um, clothing that speaks a lifestyle that no one is excluded from. And we're so quick to try to create something and use it as a divisive device, right? This, this clothing line is only for these people or this type of music is only for these people or, and I'm trying to break down that barrier with R3 Raymond. So most Christians, most people of God will recognize the terms repent, reborn, and, and redeemed. And, and, and for those who don't, that's cool. They still should wear this and be encouraged because it can be a constant reminder um, about who they are and or where they would like to go. And either, even if they're in the middle of who they are and where they would like to go, by wearing it, um, you're, you're in fellowship with other brothers and sisters who, who are children of God. And so I'm hoping that folks can make connections uh, that way by wearing this clothing line. And where can people find your clothing line online? Yep, we are at www.r3raiment.com. That's www.r3raiment.com. Okay, and if one of my audience members were to visit your site and order anything, might you be able or willing to offer them some incentive for being a, an audience member of Identity in Me and checking out your clothing line? Absolutely. So if anyone contacts me, I tell you what, if they email me at info at r3raymond.com and let me know that the connection is through you, I will give them a 20% discount. All right. right. So, yeah, so you'll, you'll be saving a couple of dollars. We might have to talk about the shipping and handling, but I'll give you at least <laughs> at least a 20% discount off of your, your, your total. Y'all hear that? 20% off. That's right. Just email me. And what name? So give us a give us a, a bonus name. What name should they drop when they email me? They should drop in me. In me. Yep. So if anyone emails me and in the subject line or somewhere in that email body say in me, I will give you the 20% discount off of your purchase. Thank you. Appreciate it. You now, before me. you go, brother, I have a question for you. Do you feel conflicted when you're voting because of your spiritual identity, your racial identity, and where you're serving people um, in, in Boston? So you're a, a minister in the inner city, um, and a lot of folks in the inner city vote Democrat, um, and Democrats don't necessarily um, espouse their, at, at least nationally, don't espouse their, their Christian faith in the way that Republicans do. Do you feel any conflict at the polls um, based on that? <laughs> nah, brother, not, not even a little bit. Um, when I walk into the polls, I'm standing on faith. Uh, and truth be told, my faith, my faith and my relationship with God has nothing to do with my political views at all. Like Really? The, nothing? The, n- nothing at all. The two conversations I'm sorry, the two topics won't even be in the same conversation for me personally. Now, if someone else brings it up, cool, but political view has nothing to do with my, my faith and my relationship with God. Why? How do you separate the two? They were never together. So do you he, understand so, folks who intertwine those two things? Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mis, misguided, misinformed, ill-informed folks combine the two to... Folks always look for something that's powerful, like the word of God, to defend their position or their disposition, right? Mm-hmm. I don't have to do that. I'm, I'm right When I think about my political preference, in most cases, it's leaning towards what's right 
and what's better for the people, not necessarily for me as an individual, because I've been good, you know, but I'm thinking about for the for the people, for the world. I, I want my my children to be able to live in a world where they feel uh, belonged and, and, and safe and um, whatever the, the, you know, the terminology is. So nah, man, I don't, I don't, I've never ever combined my political view with my spiritual walk or my faith. And so it was never a, an issue for me to move forward without having the two interconnected. Interesting. Um, I, I wish more people had that, that stance, honestly, you know, I see politicians use religion as a wedge um, between folks and it's it's disheartening honestly Listen, so man, i know I, I know we got to wrap up but i i'll say this to you the biggest the biggest okido we ever fell for is allowing one population of people try to convince you that christianity is a white man's religion that's the biggest hoax ever Right. And I, I don't want to shift the conversation completely because that's what's going to happen if we continue on this this conversation. But that's, that's for the next episode. Absolutely. It's, yes. and I'm, I will gladly have that conversation with you, brother, because I can leave. I can come to you from the professional identity at that point. Yeah. And we can have that conversation. But that is the biggest trick. The biggest trick. The biggest hoax is to convince you that this religion belongs to this population of people. All that all that population wanted you to do is to walk away from it. Yeah. Uh, but that's how the devil works. Mm. He thinks about what you love the most, what you need, and he uses that against you. And so if some random man can convince you that you're worshiping me, a white man or, or a white religion, that's gonna make you say, man, I, I'm, I'm walking away from this. Nah, I'm coming, I'm stepping in, brother. You, you step aside. That's a great teaser. Um, and I'm, I'm happy to hear that you're willing to come back on the show at some point to potentially talk about this. Absolutely. Ed is a Christian man, a proud one at that. For much of his life, he didn't necessarily identify as such, but it's now a prominent lens in the way he sees the world. Identity is ever-changing. What we identify with in our mid-twenties may differ years later. Ed's evolution hasn't been static, nor is it intended to be, nor is yours. Until the next episode of In Me, keep reflecting.